Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. I have a lot of nonsense I have to do today. Today's a packed day, so this will be a shorter episode than usual just because I have to do a walk and get some stuff done this morning. And then I got the pointless class, plus I got a call that I got to do a return on. So let's crank through this real fast. I may do a secondary update after I get done with my class, and that rhymes. So let's start with the news. And I say news, but news is in air quotes, but these are things that I think would be of interest potentially to you and you may want to be aware of. Uh, first up, I'm going to talk about Satama. Satama has had some recent um, murmurings going on and the whole Lily Finance, which if you didn't know Lily Finance, the person who's over the Satama project, helped the Lily Finance token get off the ground, helped set up the name and the brand, and then the team is still involved with the Lily Finance in addition to the Zatama team. So there's a there's a connection there. This is making certain people nervous because of what happened with Suzuki. And there was a connection there. And then, of course, Cytomask. Lily Finance, of course, is scheduled to go live with the Cytomask rollout. So they've been kind of ready and waiting on that one. I honestly am bullish on Lily Finance based on what I've seen. But I understand people's concerns with the connection of the development team with Zatama and then what happened with Suzuki and I share those concerns myself, I simply think that with Suzuki, it was somewhat of an aberration where, unfortunately, the Zatama team didn't do the due diligence they said they did, and the vetting wasn't clean, is arguably what I saw happen there. It wasn't necessarily that the developers on the Zatama team were trying to be malicious or trying to be sketchy, but the the behaviors, or I guess lack thereof, caused people to, it's, like I said, there's smoke, right? So it causes people to be sketchy and skeptical about the project because unfortunately there just so happens to be this event where you announce these coming on side of mask and then one of them turns out to be a rug pull but oh by the way these people were actually involved with them and then turns out the devs actually gave money to the marketing team and so there's a lot of smoke and i don't again think that they're being malicious and i don't think that they're trying to rip people off i think what's happening is as i've covered multiple times in my various episodes about ego in the crypto space they're just running forward. They're not stopping to embrace help from their community and their investors who may have critical knowledge to help them to say, wait a minute, this might not be a good idea. Like, again, if you imagine companies outside of the crypto bubble and you have company A who gave X millions of dollars to company B and then all of a sudden company B rug pulls, you know, or they, they're cooking the books or something else happens where that company B basically goes kaputs that's going to be sketchy. You'd have all sorts of government agencies breathing down your neck because of the smoke that is inherent to why were you sending them that amount of money and then they shut down quickly after. How much stake did you have in this? How much profit did you take in this? What money moved where? They'd be all over it. But because crypto is unregulated, it kind of goes under the rug. But there are smart investors on Satama. I assure you, you've got some high-level people on Satama right now who are watching things like that and they know what I just described to be true, that if this was outside the crypto bubble, you'd have all sorts of government, United States government, breathing down your neck at what happened. And so the way that you avert that is to get in front of it and communicate openly of here's what's happening before you do it, before it gets to a point of FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Instead, the team has chosen not to respond. In fact, there's a lot of you know messages that they have where they'll just message something out. Somebody will ask a question or they'll say something and they just won't respond to it. They just won't acknowledge it. So I know there's ego at play. There might also be a little bit of fear from what happened at the Vegas event. I don't know, but I'm going to continue to 
emphasize that they need to do better at communication because all of the things that I'm about to talk about with these, you know, good uh, transactions that are happening is absolutely awesome for investors. But the, the fact is, is that you've got some, I guarantee you, serious high-level people that know what they're doing. They know how things would work outside of the bubble. And I will attribute potentially the not being in the United States potentially as being a cause or they don't understand the way it works. However, the lead of Satama is in the United States. He does know how this works. He does know what should happen in doing it. So again, I'm not dismissing that these, these opportunities coming up and these things that we're hearing are great things. I do. I have constantly been bullish about the project. I like the project, but my fear is that there's going to be more preventable mistakes made that then tank it right back down again. And we're right back to square one. Cause there, I guarantee more people are going to sell off this time if it happens again, and I'm imploring with every ounce of my being to not make preventable mistakes. We can avoid them by making smart decisions about get just getting ahead of things. When we know something's potentially a risk, we should simply put it out there so that they don't have ammo against it. So Satama's, I think its price is on deck to start going up here soon with the not just the Lily, Con, the Lily Finance, but other exchanges are getting on and other opportunities for them to get more exposure. And these will be um, ways to where people are able to get access to the token at a really good price point, especially now. So I do expect some growth. I don't think we'll get the exponential growth that we saw off the ill-fated Vegas event, but I do think we're going to get some growth and some uh, more cash, you know, unrealized gains out of it. And I'd love to see that but I'm more importantly wanting to retain what is gained, which means that we have to do a better job, the development team, in managing the reputation better, not just kind of muscling forward and saying whatever, whatever, but saying, okay, we need to do a better job about telling people in advance about these things that they're freaking out or could freak out about in addition to these other relationships that are happening because as it stands right now, a lot of the people on social media are making the assumption and it doesn't matter if they're being reasonable or not. This is human nature. They're making the assumption that because of what happened with Suzuki and because the devs happen to be involved with Suzuki, that Lily is the same thing and they're just basically going to do another rug pull, which isn't fair to the Lily team because I've looked at Lily and I think it's solid. But there is a concern, a valid concern, about the shared involvement with the development team with multiple projects where it's part of an ecosystem, but it's not, and then you're not really acknowledging it, and then you're not getting in front of it and saying, this is what we're doing. We are creating a new thing, and then we're going to partner with this organization. Because what people don't realize is that Lily Finance is a standalone thing. However, it's basically partnering with an already established organization. So it's not like they're just randomly creating something out of thin air, and I think that was also misrepresented on social media. Certain people talked about, well, this is a brand new thing, and, it, 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 and it's... Yes, the token is brand new, but it's backed by something that has established, you know, it's fundamental. It's been around. We know what it is. If you did research, you'd understand what they're trying to do. The problem is that the, the developers that are in front of this that are working with these guys are not coming out and saying that this is what they're doing. That may be to protect people on the Lily side. I don't know. I'm saying that I think that more communication is needed in order to help us keep the gains that I expect are coming. So I, I know that there's going to be an assumption that I'm trashing the project, and that's the last thing I'm doing. What I'm saying is, is that I'm bullish on it, and I like the project, and I like what's being done, but there are critical mistakes, preventable mistakes being made that I don't want to see, and I'd like to see more proactive communication and transparency from the team up front 
so that you get ahead of the FUD and you don't let those people get that ammunition that's causing the token to tank. And I don't know what it'll take to get them to grasp what I'm saying because if they really stopped and set their emotions aside and think about what I'm saying, they'd realize what I'm saying is the truth. And if we were outside of the bubble, it's what any other investor would say. Moving on to other topics, there's another token out there. It's starting to get some chatter on social media. And, you know, I follow the token. I've, I've researched it in degree up and down, left and right. And I've got to be honest with you. I'm not going to trash the token because I think the token is solid. It's actually just like Satama. It's a very solid token. However, I am not a fan of their development team, and here's why. This token that I'm talking about is called Affinity or a.k.a. Safe Affinity. Uh, it started in about early September-ish, maybe late August. Uh, it had its initial spike but did not crash. It held value very well off the initial, and then it had a significant spike roughly around the November time frame. Now, the, the thing with this token is that, that it's got people chatting is that by percentages, and I'm emphasizing that for a reason, by percentages, it has had the greatest amount of rewards that it's distributing to its holders compared to any other token that's out there that offers rewards like Evergrow, which I'll talk about at some point, uh, Safe Earn, what used to be Earn Hub, and so on, and then the various reflection tokens by percentages. The Affinity Project has given more rewards for what it's offering. Now, the, the flip of this is, as I said, the dev team, I'm not a fan of them because, unfortunately, they have fallen in the trap of the ego that I talked about on a previous entry where they're just, nope, this is our way and this is what we're doing and everybody's got to play by our rules. And that is not healthy for a project, especially one as young as this one with so much potential like this one. So what I'm seeing is, is that this is at breakout. When I look at the graph, it's at breakout status. It's like this guy should be exploding fast. And it's not. And the reason that it's not and the reason that it's had some sell-off, strong sell-off behaviors is because people haven't seen it break out. Now, the problem with the whole percentages based and the, the reason I'm seeing such sharp spikes on it and the, the issue with their tokenomics, you can have the highest percentages in the world. I made the analogy with them. I said this directly to them. The analogy is that I, you know, I come to you and I say, I'll give you a credit card. This credit card, I'll give you 60% cash back every time you swipe it. And you're like, man, that's an awesome deal. And then you look at the card and you're like, wait a minute. This isn't Amex. This isn't Visa. This isn't MasterCard. This isn't Discover. It's not even Diners Club. Where do I use this card? And I say, well, we haven't figured out a store yet, you know, but trust me, a store's coming. It's coming. You know, someday, someday somebody will support the store and, you know, somebody will look at our card and they'll see how awesome it is and, you know, they'll buy into the card and, and then, then you'll be able to swipe it there. And then you're like, well, wait a minute, but you told me I got 60% on the swipes, but I can't swipe it anywhere. And it's like, well, at some point you will. And so that's the analogy that with this one, you get this great rewards percentages. If you understand how the rewards programs work for various tokens, they take a percentage of the fees that they apply against you for transacting the token, which is done by way of slippage. Slippage only applies when you're doing it through a DEX. So like a pancake swap or Uniswap or whatever, in this case, it's a, Binance coin. So they'll take a slice, basically a percentage of every transaction that's happening. They take that and then they distribute a percentage to everybody else. Well, affinities is different than others because they give you different kinds of rewards than just 
adding to your existing bag. That means that you can have more creative rewards for something that you may want more or more stable coins or other things, which is appealing, but it only makes any sense if you have action, act, volume, activity. In this case, because it's only on PancakeSwap as of today, the volume has tapered off. The, the thrill is gone, to use the term. The people who were there at the, when, the, when it first launched, they were able to get in. They got a good bag. They saw great tokenomics. It's been sitting there for two months. And then come November, they got all sorts of people buying, and all those people got great rewards. But here's the problem. Immediately after this, it starts to get strong sell behavior, which usually means that people were pumping the token. When you pump the token, you're giving people the illusion that, yes, this is a magical thing, and you're going to make a lot of money because of the rewards, da 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 da, da. But the truth is, is that because of what happened and the sell-off behavior, yeah, you're getting the rewards, but then it stops because now the volume's dropped. All the people who pumped, they sold off, they got the profit they wanted, and they left. So now the volume's at an all-time low. People on Reddit have complained about, well, why is the volume not moving? It's because nobody is at transacting the token. A little-known factoid for crypto people out there who are thinking of creating a token, your volume, by and large, by and large, not exclusive, by and large, is coming from exchanges. The team behind this project, Affinity, have made the decision. It's not a limitation. It's a choice. They've made the decision not to set up on an exchange. According to them, this is what they said, the reason they made this decision is because they want the exchanges to support their tokenomics and basically their rewards, their reflections. And I don't know if anybody in crypto land has been paying attention, but let me just clarify for those that haven't seen this. There has been no token, none, that have been able to change the way the exchanges behave. The tokens have to follow the rules that the exchanges lay out. And when I say exchange, I'm referring to the centralized exchanges, the regular exchanges, your L-Banks of the world, Coinbase, etc., not your decentralized exchanges. I understand that in certain parts of the bubble of crypto, there's this mentality that everything should be DEX, and I get it. Decentralization is ideal. However, the point that I made to them that I will stress here, when you have a token where your whole sales pitch is around a benefit that is reliant on volume, you are going to need to be on at least one exchange, ideally more, because the vast majority of society is not in the bubble and is not going to fight pancake swap. They're not going to fight Uniswap. They're not going to tussle with wallets on a regular basis to do regular transactions. Anybody that has a wallet, and here's the thing, I'll say this, and people will say, I don't know what you're talking about. Anybody that has a wallet un should understand how many excess steps and clicks it takes just to purchase cryptocurrency in them. You're talking at least, in most cases, five or six screens just to do a purchase. That's wasted time. Your casual traders and your advanced traders are not going to waste that time. They want to go into the thing, swipe the card, and the crypto's added. That's what I do with Coinbase. When I log into Coinbase, I say buy. It says, how much do you want? I say $50 worth. It already knows my card. It already knows the stuff. I say approve, and it's done. In the wallet, and I'll, let's say I'll pick on, I'll even pick on Coinbase wallet, right? Ironically, you go in to the wallet. Okay, I need to buy. You say buy. 
it says, all right, well, we partner with a third party something, third party something. So you have to launch out to an external thing and then you go into this and then you have to fill out the form because it doesn't know who you are. So you're wasting all this time. Then it has to verify who you are because it has to do KYC because that's a legal requirement. Then you may have to wait. Sometimes they don't accept the card because they don't like the bank or whatever it is or, oh, your country is not acceptable. And then you got to go through at least two or three screens of authorization verification to say, okay, are you sure you want to do this? And make sure we're going to, you know, we're going to charge you the fee here. And are you sure you're your casual trader and your advanced trader are not going to fight that every single time they have to transact. Not when you have exchanges out there that make it dirt simple to do that same transaction in two or three steps. That's the way it is. This team, I think, does not understand that today. And I'm hoping, and I don't say this to be mean, but I'm saying this because I'm a positive, I'm a disruptor for positive reasons. I disrupt. That's what I want to do. I want them to do the right thing that they know they must do in order to grow. Because if I'm an interested investor, I don't want to see a team basically harm a project the way that they're doing unintentionally but they're harming the project with a knowing decision that is frankly stupid because even freaking rich quack is on an exchange. Think two of them. Freaking Dozilla is on an exchange. Cat girl is on an exchange. Kishu, Floki, Yushi. There are so many mean projects that are on exchanges. And yet this one, which I argue could be a strong project, simply refuses because you have arrogant developers. And that's what I cannot abide by. I cannot support that because you're harming potential investors that would love to get on the project. Here's what I think, though. I think that they know what I'm saying to be true, and they're purposely holding it back because they know that with the increase in volume comes the increase in responsibility to produce those rewards to people who are expecting them, and they're not sure they can keep up with it. That's what I think. At that point, and I know this will be controversial, and that's the reason I'm going to say this, at that point, you're really no better than Bernie Madoff. If that, if that's, I'm saying if that's in their head, that they're worried that the increase in volume at that pace might cause them to basically run out of being able to do the rewards, that means it's a Bernie Madoff. It's a Ponzi scheme. Now, here's where the disclaimer comes into play. This was a project where I've purposely avoided it because I of this unanswered situation. If I was going to buy into this thing, BNB is cheap. It's not a problem of BNB. It's a problem where I would want to have access to buy it in an exchange first so I can watch the volume behavior, see what the buys and sells look like, see if it can sustain the growth that it's purporting, see if it's and also test the credibility because I would they would have to have kicked tires and gone through copious amounts of stress to get it on the exchange in the first place. So if I see they do that, great. Then I have no problem supporting them as a project. However, if they're not, they don't want to smoke and they're not willing to do the hard work, then I can't support it as a project. So I've purposely avoided it. Now, I would love to buy into it if I see that they're willing to do the hard steps. It's just they have not, from their feedback so far, give me any comfort that it's legitimate in, and I don't mean scam legitimate, I mean legitimate in terms of their desire to see the project succeed long-term. Now, if they're just saying, we're just going to be a five and 10 year play like a Bitcoin, and that's the way we're going to just do it. Cause remember Bitcoin wasn't on exchanges cause exchange didn't exist like this when exchange was, you know, Bitcoin was first out there. It was being traded on Silk Road. I gave them the example, the analogy that we're past that era. We're past the era where fiat doesn't matter. 
And I know that there's, again, this anti-centralized mentality. And I support it in some degree. I'm saying until you get to the point where you've got saturation and volume, you're not going to get the awareness that you need, especially if you're on the Binance chain. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just the truth of it. If, if we were talking about the Ethereum side, I might be able to give them a pass simply because enough people are in the Ethereum you know, eco to where you can kind of offset the losses of not having an exchange. But when you're on the Binance chain, I think it's way critically more important that you get at least one exchange. Even if it's ghetto Indoex, you got to get at least one to where people can buy with fiat and not have to worry about fussing with all the different types of token swaps and all the stuff to be able to get in and slippage, right? Remember, if you go to the exchanges, the exchange has to buy a pool of the tokens anyway. So those, your investors immediately are going to benefit by them getting on the exchange. It benefits your investors to do it. I don't, I'm saying I don't buy their reasoning for not doing it. I don't think it's legit. I think it's short-sighted. Listen, they might blow me out, you know, in three years, they might prove me wrong. I'm not saying that it's not eventually going to get to a point of success. I'm not saying that it's not legitimate today. I'm saying that if you need to get more people on and keep that volume flowing, to where people today are getting the rewards they expect, you're going to need to be on at least one exchange because otherwise you're sitting on a beautiful percentage of rewards and you're not really getting any of them because nobody's transacting, thus there's no fees, thus there's no reflections. That's my feedback on it. So I'm, if any of them listen to it, and I doubt they will, but if any of them listen to it, I'm imploring you to rethink that decision, even if it's ghetto into X, I don't care. Get on at least one so that it's easier for people to buy in it's easier for people to sell and you're able to distribute the rewards to people who are smart enough to put it in the wallet where it belongs when they hold. Don't take the arrogant stance that everybody should hold where they want to hold. No, smart traders should hold in a wallet because that's what the wallet's for in a, cent in a decentralized structure. Exchange is simply for the buy and the sell activities. If you want to hold it in the, in the exchange, you accept the risk of losing out on those rewards, which is what they tell you. And those are custodial wallets, which means you don't own them. As, a, as somebody who is a custodian of your crypto, you should advocate for your holder, your investor, to own their tokens. The only way they can do that is for it to be in a wallet. So there you're on the right track. What I'm saying, though, is for people to be able to buy in quickly, to be able to transfer from other tokens into your token, and to increase that volume and create a velocity that then can trigger that domino effect, you're going to need to be on an exchange. I hold to that stance, and nobody will convince me otherwise. If you think you can, I want the smoke. I'll have you on the show if you want. I don't think you will, but that's my stance on how that goes. And then one small point that I'll wrap up with, and then I'll figure out this stupid walk. So in crypto space, if you are looking to accept cryptocurrency, right, and you want to get payments out of it, or let's say you're doing craigslist.org and you want to accept crypto, and I have issues with Craigslist, but if you want to do Craigslist or someone else, eBay is a different thing, but you want to accept crypto as a currency, I want to make sure you know you can. This is not an advertisement. I'm not paid for this. I'm simply sharing the message. I looked and kicked the tires on Now Payments, nowpayments.io, and I like the setup of the service. They have some issues. I'm not going to kid you. There are some issues with the way of payouts, but just so you understand, you can take a look at it yourself. But the way it works is that you can dictate which cryptos you will accept for your customer. You can even create a point-of-sale terminal where they can 
give cash and then it goes into your crypto. But you dictate what cryptos you'll accept, like Bitcoin, Ethereum, any of the other ones. They have a pretty copious list of the of the most common ones, um, including SHIB, which they've advertised. On the back end, then you tell them, okay, what crypto do you want? When they pay X, you'll get Y, and then they take a slice. And then you can charge an overhead. So you can say, all right, well, there's an extra 10% that I want to charge to for the privilege of doing this because you'll have to eat the fee. So you want to recoup that so you don't lose profit. So let's say you want to allow your customer to send you Bitcoin or Ethereum or anything they choose, but on the back end, for whatever reason, you like Cardano or you like Doge or even you like SHIB. You can set that. The downside is that if you select SHIB, and I don't know why this is, but if you select SHIB, the, there's a minimum, a very high minimum that's applied to your customer in for them to be able to do the transaction. So it might be like, 50 Cardano or some ridiculous number simply because it's SHIB on the back end because what they're doing is they're they're basically charging back to you, they charging back to the customer the gas fees that it takes to give you the SHIB. I don't like that. So I chose something like Cardano as my payout because Cardano I can transact anywhere. You could do Algorand or something else to minimize that you know minimum to the customer because the customer might only want to, if it's a tip, right, they may only want to tip me 10 bucks. Well, <laughs> You know, fifty dollars worth of SHIB is is or excuse me, fifty dollars worth of or fifty Cardano is a hundred bucks at current rates. You know, just shy of a hundred dollars. Well, if they're trying to tip me ten bucks. That's going to turn them off. So I'm pointing it out to you again. I'm not paid by them. I have their service, and I'm simply sharing to you that it's an option if you are working towards or you have a need to accept crypto, even in your personal space. This isn't even just for business that you just want to accept crypto from people as an option that may have cryptocurrency. Maybe you set people up locally with cryptocurrency and they're wanting to send you some crypto and they don't, you know, they are, they're in some exchange that doesn't support sending or whatever. They can send it to this and then send you the way it wants and then you can save them on the transit fees. Just as an option to think about, that's nowpayments.io. I do highly recommend it. Um, Again, they do got issues, like, but they're, the nice thing about it is when you set up a service, they assign you an account rep who then will corral the wagons and figure out what's going on and get things fixed. So it's a very professional service. They do have some minor things that they should fix, and I think they'll fix, um, but it's good if you're looking into accepting crypto. Check them out. I'm going to go and take care of this nonsense and then try to get this call done, which apparently, based on emails, is going to be a waste of my time, but... That's my update for today. Hopefully that's been beneficial, helpful. And again, like I said, for anything I've said, for anything I ever say on any of my podcasts, if anybody wants to come on the show and refute what I'm saying with data points, no emotions, but true data points and facts, I want the smoke. I will gladly do an invite and we can have that, have that conversation.